Do you know what time it is? It's Supernatural Story Time. And if you're easily scared, and even if you're not, there's only one thing left to do. Just turn off the lights, because these are stories that you listen to only in the dark. Cemetery Stories, Volume 4, Story Number 1. I live in a place that would not even be considered a dot on a map, except for the fact that we have a state forest there. Cabuenlingo, which stands for all the counties surrounding it, Cabo or Cabell, Wayne, Lincoln, and Mingo, is a rather secluded park full of wildlife. I was bringing my daughter home from a dental appointment and we saw it. I was driving my mother's van, which sits kind of high off the ground, and had the headlights on since it was just a little past dusk. The first glimpse was of something walking, in a lumbering sort of fashion, on the side of the road next to the passenger side of the van. It was a tan collar and walked on two feet just like a human does. Its movements were slow and heavy and it had to have stood a good six feet tall or more. I could see it was covered with hair, but its body resembled a human being more than an animal. My father seemed to think it was a bear walking on its hind feet. I can assure you, this was no bear. When the van got close to being beside the creature, it went down over the edge of the bank off the road. I was somewhat amazed at what I saw, but it all happened so quickly that I wondered if perhaps I was seeing things. Apparently, my daughter, who by the way was 16 at the time, must have been wondering the same thing, because at the exact time we turned to each other and said, Did you see that? After I knew that she had seen it too, I turned around in a white spot off the road, I went back to see if I could spot it with my headlights. Whatever it was, it was already gone. Where it went over the bank, it could have and most likely did go across a very small branch and into a hollow on the other side. I'm not sure what this was. All I know is that it was not human, yet it was not like any animal I've ever seen before. I never really believed in Bigfoot and I'm not very sure I do now. The one thing I absolutely do believe is that if you ever run into this thing, you will not soon forget it. Next story. My encounter was down at Cass Railroad. It was July and my dad, my sister and I had planned to go down to Cass Railroad in Elkins, West Virginia. It was a wonderful place to spend a vacation, but we did not know our cottage would be haunted. But what did you expect from an old train logging station? We took a walk down the side street around 11 a.m. and we found ourselves at a craft shop which was actually a house that a woman lived in. We all looked around the house, admiring the wonderful crafts and candles when suddenly out of the corner of my eye, I saw a white flash zoom past me. It was not a car because I didn't hear anything, and I asked the woman that lived there if the place was haunted. She replied, There's a little girl that died in the house because she was very ill, and the doctor didn't know how to treat her or didn't attempt to. She also said that she played with the stuffed bears every morning, and left it on the ground for her to pick up each day. After that encounter, we took the train ride up to the Bald Knob. It was late when we got back to the train station, so we ate our dinner and headed toward the cottage. As we entered the cottage and settled in for the night, my sister and I slept downstairs and my dad slept upstairs. It was around 10 p.m. when I heard a woman scream, and it sounded like it was right outside the window. So I jumped up and looked to see if I could see anything, but there was nothing out there. Then it sounded like someone was trying to get into the back door or someone was opening the screen door, making it swing open, but there was no one there. 
Therefore, I kept waking up every two hours and finally it was morning. We left early that morning and when we got home, we talked about the woman screaming. Little did I know that my dad and sister had also heard someone whistling in the house, but I didn't. They heard the woman scream and a man whistling, but I didn't hear the man. I only heard the woman. I really should have brought my camera, but I didn't at the, have one at the time. But if I ever go back there, I do plan to see if I can catch something on the tape. But you never know. Do I really want to do that? Next story. First, I am not crazy. And I have never told anyone this story because my family doesn't usually believe in ghosts and the paranormal. Let me give you some background for this story. My family cemetery sits on a hill at the mouth of a holler hidden behind trees and brush just outside Chapmanville in Logan County, West Virginia. It is just up the hill from the old house my great-grandma lived in. My great-grandfather passed away in 1983 and she stayed in the house alone for about four years until she became senile. She began wandering off and she would call us and ask if we had seen my great-grandfather who had been dead for many years and she would talk about dead people as if they were still alive. She was still in yesteryear. We had to get people to sit with her around the clock for the last five years of her life. She died in 1998 at the age of 94. I was about nine or ten years old when it happened. I was visiting my great-grandmother when we saw a Cadillac hearse pull up in the driveway with about three cars behind it. This hearse was older looking, like one of those from the 60s. They took out a casket and began carrying it up the hill behind my great-grandmother's house. Now, this was strange because the cemetery was exclusively a family cemetery. We would have been notified if a family member had died. And for family to just go by grandma's house without saying anything would have been a sin. Grandma was too old to walk up the hill, so she sent me up the hill to find out who had died. I walked up the hill, staying in the background until it was over. When it was finally over, I asked someone there who had died, and they told me who it was. I wandered around the cemetery until everyone had gone, and when I went down the hill, I was astonished to see everyone had already left and nobody stayed to visit Grandma, like anyone who ever went near there did. I went in and told her who had died, and she said it wasn't anyone in the family. It was someone who lived up the hollow, who wanted to be buried close by and knew the family well, and my Grandma said she had promised them they could be buried up there. I don't know why, but I forgot about the whole thing and even forgot to tell my folks about the funeral when they came to pick me up later. I remember going back up there for Memorial Day and a couple of funerals and noticing there was never a marker placed at that grave. A few years later, when my great-grandmother died, a few of us stayed on the cemetery just looking around and such. My great-uncle, who was in his 60s, was there. I was asking him about the person who had been buried a few years earlier. The person who lived up the hollow and why didn't the family of that person put up some kind of marker he didn't know what i was talking about i showed him the grave and what he told me made me turn white and my jaw hit the ground the same grave was open when he was a kid a very long time ago he said the man buried there was buried by the state he had lived up the hollow and the state paid for the services and grave because he was poor his family never put a marker there because he had no family he had hung himself. This story gets stranger still. I never told my uncle anything, nothing. I didn't want to be considered crazy. My great-grandmother and I saw a ghost funeral, and I didn't know it, and she was just reliving the past by seeing it. 
The weirdest part is that one of my cousins now lives in the old house by the cemetery. She called here one day asking who died because there was a small funeral taking place up on the hill. I told her I didn't know. I had not heard of anyone dying. I told her to go up there and see about it. Again, I didn't think anything of the strange happening in the past. I went over there a week later and she showed me where they had buried the person. And again, my jaw hit the ground and I turned white. The grave was still fresh like someone was just buried there a week before. I never told my cousin anything, nothing. I didn't want to frighten her out of that house. This is a true story. I cannot explain it. If anyone told me this story, I would not believe it. However, this really did happen to me. Next story. Chapmanville East Elementary School is very spooky, first of all. It's a very large and exceptionally old brick building and it stinks inside. The school has a lot of character, to say the least. I knew a teacher that worked there very shortly. She said that sometimes if she was working after school hours, she could hear spooky sounds, but always ending in a thunderous thump. I also have a very good friend who had a lot of awfully bad experiences happen to her on the school property. Evil experiences at that. I heard a story when I was about 15 years old, and now it's eight years later, and I asked an old person about the credentials of the story, and he verified its accuracy. The story goes, sometime in the middle of the winter in the 1930s, the furnace broke. The employees of the school wondered why it had not been promptly fixed. The school staff and everyone began to assume the handyman or janitor, whatever he was, had quit his job at the school and moved away. While in the coldest days of the year, nobody could locate him, they needed him because he was the only one who knew how to fix the furnace. The furnace was broken for a while, I don't know how long, and they had to call off school until they got it fixed. The conditions were entirely too cold to work or learn in. Being in the dead of winter, it most likely took a while to find somebody to fix the furnace who wasn't already tied up with other repair jobs. The furnace repairman eventually was found, and so they set out to expose the problem. They were cleaning and found hard pieces that weren't burned. The repairmen were able to immediately identify the pieces as bone fragments. That investigator looked at the pieces and sure enough, it was bone fragments or whatever those bones, like things that won't burn easily. Through dental records, they eventually confirmed these remains belonged to the school's handyman. He had only worked after school hours and someone or something must have knocked him out or done something to get him into the boiler. It was determined that the body in the furnace caused the breakdown of the furnace. Nobody was ever convicted of the crime and the incident is still unsolved. But there was always a lot of speculation around the town. Now a lot of people living near the school claim to hear noise in it during late hours. Howling screams have been heard coming from the dilapidated building paralyzing its victims with fear. Maybe some of the sounds can be explained by the age of the structure or the building settling may be the cause. But Whatever is causing it, it's up to you to ponder. But we do know one thing. Schools don't plague themselves with evil. It comes from something or somewhere else. Next story. My mother told me this story. It happened to her years ago in the 1940s when she lived in the coal mining region of West Virginia and was then married to her first husband. If my own mother didn't tell me this firsthand, I'm not sure if I'd believe it but my mother isn't one to spin yarns. She had walked down the street approximately a quarter mile to her mother's house for supper. When she left Granny's house, it was dark. On the other side of the street, between Granny's house and Mom's house, 
there was a mountain which had a dirt trail leading up to a house. A light caught her eye, so she watched it, figuring someone was up walking up the trail carrying a lantern. But when the light rose up into the trees and then above the trees, she thought it was rather strange, but really didn't think too much about it. When she got to her house, she called her girlfriend. She lived in the apartment upstairs from mom to come out to see it. All of a sudden, her friend started uncontrollably crying and saying that there was going to be an accident in the mines. Both her husband and my mother's worked a night shift in the coal mines. That every time that light was seen, an accident happened. Legend had it that an old coal miner used to live up on that mountain and that he had died in an explosion in the mines. Since then, his ghost comes back to warn the men when there's going to be another explosion. And sure enough, whenever that light was seen, there was an explosion indeed. My mom tried to calm her friend down, and they all went in for the night. At about 2 a.m., mom was awoken by a knock at the door. It was some men from the mine who came to tell her that there was an explosion in the mine and that her husband had been hurt. He lost two fingers in the explosion. From that night on, mom said she would never look up that mountain trail again. She didn't want to see the lantern light. Next story. Several years ago when I was a teenager, I was visiting my grandmother's house in Cabin Creek. Also visiting were some relatives from out of state. Among them was my Aunt B. She was a fine Christian woman who truly lived to religious convictions. Therefore, when she began to tell me of a late summer picnic that turned ghostly for her and her husband, as well as her children, I listened closely and never doubted a word of what she related. There is a park not far from Charleston that is dotted with idyllic picnic spots. Some are tucked away and are more private than others. However, one is along the main throughway. It is on the right side of the road and it is necessary to drive over a small bridge to get to the actual picnic spot. Even though the area is not large, a merry-go-round sat close to the picnic table. After my cousins finished their meal, the two younger of the three decided to do some exploring. Cut into the hillside directly behind the picnic area are steps made of stone and rocks. The two youngsters were surprised to find an old cemetery on top of the hill. They were not afraid, probably because it was still daylight out and because their parents and older brother were just down on the other side of the hill packing up the remnants of the family meal. Eventually, Ampi called for her two exploring children to rejoin them, which they obediently did. The family car, an old white station wagon, sat in the middle of the bridge, its hatchback open as my aunt and uncle began to load the blanket and baskets. My cousins were already piling into the car, squabbling over whom would be stuck having to sit in the middle. Suddenly, my aunt and uncle turned around as they heard the echoing sounds of children's laughter coming from behind them, coming from the creaking, whirling, empty merry-go-round. The wooden carousel spun round under the force of something they couldn't see, but they could clearly hear the voices of children as they played. Inside the car, my cousins fell silent and afraid. It must have taken only a few moments for my uncle to slam down the hatch on the old station wagon and for him and my aunt to bail into the car. As they pulled out of the picnic spot, the merry-go-round still spun and the sounds of children's voices rang out. Only now my family could make out very faint white figures playing around the heavy wooden merry-go-round. They sped away, never looked back, and never went back there again. In addition, until that summer day at my grandmother's house, no one spoke of the incident. My uncle refused to talk of the haunted picnic, and my elder cousin, the oldest of their three children, left the room as his mother began telling me the tale. 
My MP had no problem telling me the story though. I've been through this park many, many times, but never to that particular spot. The bridge has been replaced. The rocky steps up to the cemetery are overgrown and the green wooden merry-go-round was taken down years ago. I only believe this story because my auntie told it to me. Her beliefs were strong and steadfast then and remained that way until her death years later on Halloween. Next story. Back in 1975, my family moved into a very old house. We had lived there for about a week. And one night, my dad and I were outside feeding our dogs and we saw a girl walk into our house. My dad asked me, if that was my girlfriend and I said I didn't know who she was. We went in and looked for her but we couldn't find her anywhere. My mom was at my sister's so dad told me not to say anything to mom about it. We thought it funny since we had a bunch of big dogs and they didn't bark at her at all. Well about a week went by and the same thing happened again except this time my mom saw her. We moved out after that. This girl looked to be about 27 or so years old and and was dressed in some type of old-timey clothing. You could hear baby crying in the house before she would appear. She didn't look at us or say a word when she appeared. She would just go in the house and the baby would stop crying. I don't know what that was. The name of the hollow is Big Fort and it's on Frame Road. Next story. Around the year 1960, while attending the Marlington Middle School, some classmates and I interviewed a local man about a ghost sighting he experienced. The man told a story about when he used to drive a pulp wood truck to Covington, Virginia and back. Late one evening, something bizarre occurred on his return trip that would leave him shaken for life. He claimed that as he drove into the Rennick Valley area on the south side of Droop Mountain, he came upon approximately six horsemen in the road. They did not yield right of way for him and he had to completely stop the truck to avoid striking them. They were in single file formation moving at a slow pace and is able to see that they appear to be dressed in civil war uniforms. He opened the driver's side door and stepped out on the running board to tell them to move. That was when he noticed that the horses and men would utterly disappear when exiting the beam of the truck's headlights. There was no one around after the last one exited the lit area. I found the elderly man highly believable and noticed how visibly distraught he became just retelling the story. Next story. Many stories of a strange beast in West Virginia exist. Most of them say a large black furry beast that stands about seven feet tall when on its hind legs, has sharp teeth that goes after weaker feet. It is extremely fast and has a deepening growl. It's large sharp teeth and a snout. My friends and I have had multiple encounters with what the people in my area would like to call the beast of Boaz. Our first encounter was before I even knew of this beast till that night. My best friend and I were playing flashlight tag with some of my neighbors. My friend was it and he was walking by the woods that have a graveyard in it when he saw a red glow and then it started chasing after him. Eventually he slipped and fell under street light, took the flashlight and flashed it in its eyes. It ran away but still managed to get a claw on his leg. I started running up to where I heard him let off a scream. The next day my friend and I went investigating in the sunlight. We eventually found some dark fur near the area my friend said the beast had run to. The next trip into the realm of finding this beast was at my friend's house where my other friend had two more of his friends and his older brother come over. He actually lived in Boaz, unlike me. I lived in the town but near the edge of it. 
but we decided we were going to camp on his property. I was getting a headache, and at 12.30 I went inside his house to go get some aspirin. I looked out the window at the tent and noticed something run by, look at me, and then run into the woods. I ran back outside to ask if they'd noticed anything. When I got in the tent, they were already packing up and said something had pressed up against the tent and growled. I told them what I saw. After this, we started telling stories about what happened to friends at school. While asking kids about it at my school, one of my female friends stepped forward and told me that one time she and her brother were hiking on their property when they noticed some branches that had been pressed down as they were going across a fallen tree as a bridge. When they noticed the pressed down brush, a growl came out that sent them running, and as they got into a field, they felt like they were being chased by something. The rest of our adventures would take place at another friend's house that was with us on the second trip. At this house, two more people joined up to aid in the hunt. This house had a hill where we could always camp out, but we could only stop halfway up at it on a flat piece of land because any further would be past this property and in some dense trees. Our first time we camped there, we heard something shaking the trees up on the hill above us, and we took off down to my friend's house as fast as we could. Once we got there, we stayed in his basement. When all my friends had gone to sleep, I was having trouble sleeping and I was the one closest to the door and the window, but I heard something growl and tell me that it was going to kill me. I looked at the window and saw something brush up against it, and I then threw the blanket over me, moved closer to my friends and behind a post and a pile of junk. Another time we were up on the hill and we had lit a fire, fueled by oil, going when all of a sudden and went out just like that as the sun went down. We heard noises from the denser woods again and took off. And I think that was the last time I went looking for the beast of Boaz. Next story. When I was 12 years old, my parents informed me we were relocating due to my dad's employment. I was scared due to a new school and new surroundings, and we were going to a property my mom inherited from our parents. It took several months to get ready, so long, in fact, that they decided to purchase a mobile home instead of building a house. My older sister had the perfect one for them, and it had only been lived in for a few years. Everything went as planned, and my room was at the end of the hall from the kitchen. And the weird thing is, this didn't scare me. I would wake every single night at exactly 2.30 and look down at the end of the hall. I would see this old lady, her hair pulled up in a perfect bun, wearing a black knee-length dress, and black dress shoes with gold buckles on them. She was a little heavy set with chubby cheeks. She just turned a little to one side with her arms folded and the look on her face was as though she wondered what we were doing in our home. I saw this lady for months before I said anything and when I finally did it really scared my sister because I described a lady who had owned it and had died in that same trailer. My parents wouldn't tell me because they figured I'd be afraid. I'm 36 years old now. And I can still see her in my mind perfectly. Next story. The story didn't happen to me, but to my father who used to do security up at Williamson Memorial Hospital. He, for some odd reason, got to know when the death angel was around. He would know when this angel would be around because he could feel a cold presence up where he was standing. This story in particular happened to an older lady. I don't know her name, but she was in the intensive care unit. Dad was on the third floor when he heard her calling from her hospital bed. Being a nice guy and doing his job, my daddy went to check things out. 
The old lady, as my dad recalls, kept asking dad to remove the man standing at the foot of her hospital bed and saying these words. It wasn't her time to go. Dad believed that the old woman knew the presence, that what she was seeing in the room was the death angel. Dad said he would try his best to help her in any way possible, and she asked him not to leave her and stay in her room until the man left. So being a nice man and all, my dad stayed in the room until she said that he had gone away. After about 10 minutes, my dad left the room. Dad told me after 10 minutes that he'd been gone, that he was just standing right around the corner from the room in the hallway when he felt the cold presence. About that time, Dad said he heard her heart monitor go off and that she passed away before the nurse and doctors could assist her. The nurse and staff tried their hardest, but it was too late. The death angel, as my dad recalls, had taken another. I do believe this story that my dad told me. It very much is true because my dad isn't the type of guy to lie about something like that. Next story. There are so many ghosts that haunt this holler, as we call it, but I will only tell you about the ones that I have seen personally. There is a place up this road referred to as the Cuts, and at this certain place myself and many others have seen an old man walking along the side of the road, and then he crosses the road most usually in front of someone's vehicle. This old man is said to be searching for his money. The story goes that this man had a lot of money and hid it across the road from the cuts in a rock cliff. Apparently one night, some kids jumped the old man and started beating him to try and get him to give in and tell them where the money was. But they beat him up so badly he died. The other ghost is related to my family and has been seen on my grandma's property many times by almost everyone who lives up this road and everyone who attends the little Laurel Baptist Church. There used to be a house on my grandma's field where my grandpa and his family lived. One night, the house burned down, and unfortunately, my grandpa's sister hid under a wash tub in the kitchen and burned to death. There is a single pine tree that grows in this field, and if that house was still standing, it would be in the front yard. My grandpa's sister loved to sit in the shade of this tree and play. This tree is where I saw her. One night, I was on my way up to my grandma's house. Her house is above this tree, and I saw a girl with long dark hair and a white gown on. It looked like a nightgown, and she walked out in the middle of the road and raised her hand as if trying to get me to stop, so I did. I rolled down the window, and as she walked to the window, I noticed that she was kind of translucent, which really freaked me out. When she got to the window, I asked if I could help her knowing already something was really odd. She didn't say anything, but she did point to where that house would be sitting, and then she vanished. I know this all sounds kind of cheesy, but it did happen. I hit the gas and flew up on the hill to my grandma's. When I got there, I told everyone what I saw, and my grandma just shook her head and said, Honey, she is always flagging people down. Next story. I was a newlywed in April of 1988. My husband had a trailer on the top of Moses Fork Mountain, where we resided after we were married. At first, everything was going great. My husband worked driving a truck, and I stayed home and took care of the housework, shopping, etc. One morning, I was sleeping, and all of a sudden, a small clock radio we had in the bathroom woke me up, blaring loud music. I got up and ran to turn it off. When I opened the bathroom door, the music stopped. The radio wasn't even plugged in. I just chalked it up and thought I was dreaming. A short time later, I would hear the commode flush and the water in the bathroom running. When I would go to investigate, nothing would be happening. 
I asked my husband if he had heard anything strange, and he said no. I told him about what was happening to me, but of course he thought I was crazy. This continued for a while. One morning, I heard this huge raging fire. I thought for sure the trailer had caught fire. I could hear the blaze roar and popping that came when you have a large fire. I got up, ran outside, but nothing was burning. Several times my television would change channels. One night, my younger sister stayed all night with me. The next morning, she told me that she thought I had walked past her to get a drink of water. She was going to grab me when I went back through and scare me, but I never came back through. It scared her because she knew it was not me who got a drink. Finally, I told my mom about the occurrences one day. She told me that close to where my trailer sat, a man and a woman were blown up in an old motel that used to be there. I don't know what it was, but I was glad when my husband and I moved. I'm not saying I, I believe in ghosts, but something was going on out there on that mountaintop next story. I grew up in Gallipolis across the Ohio River from Point Pleasant. In high school, I found an old scrapbook of my mother's with several dozen clippings on the Mothman. I was fascinated that something neat had happened so close to the sleepy little town I loved. I was hooked. I had to know more. It didn't take long for me to find the Mothman prophecies and read it cover to cover. I lost interest somewhat when I began to date and do the things high school kids do. However, when I returned from a seven-year tour in the United States Navy, I rediscovered my interest in the Mothman. I decided that I would use the skills the Navy had taught me to try and disprove the Mothman stories. My logic being that if I tried seriously and diligently to disprove the stories and failed, then I would have strengthened their credibility. My new hobby took me into the woods and hollers around the TNT area and to the homes of what witnesses who were alive and willing to talk about what they'd seen. While I found a great many points of interest in my investigation, among them some interesting questions focusing on an active naval base in Point Pleasant, which seems to have no official purpose or staff. I was not prepared for what I encountered along a creek bank north of Bethel Church Road. I was walking the creek bank trying to run down some tips provided to me by an acquaintance at a UFO investigation group who I considered a marginal flake, but which seemed to have some credibility in the form of what are these guys really up to venue? As I walked the creek, I heard something large break through the brush ahead of me and I froze. Logic told me that it was at worst a large dog or even a stray cow, as it is very little in the way of predators in Mason County. Still, I've been a hunter since my teenage years and I knew well that the West Virginia DNR had been actively repopulating absent native species. It was wholly possible that I was about to come face to face with something which might consider me lunch. What I saw emerge from the brush was a large brownish white creature. Its fur looked dirty and matted as if the animal did very little in the line of self-grooming. I can't be sure if I was looking at a dirty white animal or a brownish animal with a white undercoat. It was late in the fall so it makes sense that it might be putting on a winter coat. The creature moved on all fours as it breached the brush line and knelt to drink from the creek. Its front limbs, the only limbs I saw clearly, ended in what was markedly paw-like hands. Its head was long and pointed like a canine, and it had largest horns, not antlers, but single-point horns. I shrunk back into the brush and watched, afraid to stay and afraid to run. It drank for a few minutes, then crossed the creek and continued on across towards Sand Hill Road. 
When I was sure it was gone, I turned and ran as fast as I could back toward the pond where I parked. The one thing that sticks out in my mind about this encounter most clearly is the way it smelled. It smelled like sulfur. Now, don't think I'm screaming fire and brimstone here. I'm not. One of the biggest problems with the TNT area is the pollution from the manufacturing activities that went on there. The worst of this is the red water runoff generated by the production of gunpowder. The area was a Navy ammunition plant at one time and made gunpowder. Red water, the cause to this date of the brownish red foam seen in many of the runoff ponds, has a sulfur content that should concern anyone exposed to it. It makes sense that anything living in this area would absorb some measure of that scent if they are drinking from these water sources. <laughs>